Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and on this Halloween edition of the podcast, we are going to react to the San Francisco 49ers 31-14 victory over the Los Angeles Rams. But first, I do want to wish you all a happy and hopefully a very safe Halloween, whether you're inside watching movies or going out trick-or-treating with the kids or going to parties, be safe, have a ton of fun, get all the candy you want, all the sweets, and have a wonderful and happy Halloween. And Halloween for me kicked off early because not only did I get to see Michael Myers, my favorite horror icon among you know, Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger, I got to go see Halloween Ends two weeks ago. I didn't love it, but what I did love was having my trick-or-treat on Sunday between the Niners and the Rams because the San Francisco 49ers gave me a big treat and gave them Rams a big trick because, my goodness, did the Niners come back in a big way. But it's not like it all started off that way, but with the win, the Niners are now 8-0 with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm in the regular season. They also have swept the Rams for the fourth consecutive season. The Rams now fall to 1-2 and two in the division. And the Niners are back to 500 and they are 3-0 and in the division. And their playoff odds have jumped to 66%. Can someone give me a so-sar? That's right. Same old sorry-ass Rams. That's what the chant was on Sunday, and the big question was, where's the Ramily now, right? And among all the mess that was being talked between fans and the fan bases and whether you're at SoFi Stadium, at Levi South, as we call it, or on your couch, on Twitter, whatever it was, there was a ton of trash talk being being dealt out on the field on Sunday because our favorite Los Angeles Ram, no, not Aaron Donald, because he was invisible on Sunday against the Niners once again. But Jalen Ramsey, he's personally my favorite Los Angeles Ram simply because of how angry and upset he gets when he loses. And it feels like it's every single time because, oh wait, it's been pretty close to every single time. And again, week four of this season... Debo and Jalen Ramsey exchange words, right? Rams are coming in hot thinking, we got that Super Bowl, we beat you guys in the NFC Championship game. A bunch of craps being talked, but what does Debo do in week four? He suns him, and then McGlinchey's talking mess on the field. It just felt like the Niners were just like, oh, you may have beat us once, but we still own you, essentially. Now, go to week 10, following the, the Twitter beef between Debo and Jalen Ramsey and and Debo calling Ramsey salty and Ramsey trying to play it off like, oh, no, never mind, man, never mind. Like, go to week 10 now, go to Sunday. And what does Jalen Ramsey do? He bumps into the kicker. He comes after Robbie Gold. Like, dude, out of all the people to, to want to pinpoint or target or even direct your trash talk to, it's a kicker? <laughs> like... Not the quarterback, not the running backs, not anybody else you chose a kicker. But Ramsey then pushes Robbie Gold and there's no flag, which I don't understand how that's the case. But then on the sideline, they cut to Ramsey yelling at his teammates. And you're just like, he is having a mental breakdown. 
He's fighting with kickers <laughs> and his own teammates on the sideline. It was awesome to see. But then today, Halloween morning, Jalen Ramsey tweets out on the Niners victory Monday, tweets out that, and I, and I quote, sometimes the ball don't bounce your way. Literally F it though, on to the next. Don't switch up now. Um, Paging Jalen Ramsey, like, bring, bring. Pick up the phone, Jalen. Uh, you lost 31-14. to 14. Your offense didn't score in the second half. And the same quarterback who you called trash in 2017 completed 84% of his passes and you let a running back throw a touchdown against you. I mean, I don't think it's on to the next. Don't switch up now. You guys are 1-2 in the division. Your playoff odds have just cratered, and your offense is one-dimensional, and your defense, once again, got sunned by the Niners. So I don't think it's on to the next. Now you got Brady and the Bucks, who, albeit, haven't been that great. Not an easy game for the Rams coming up, and now the Niners are 4-4, four and four, going into the bye, and the Rams are coming off their bye week. You should have been more prepared. Like, this game, at least from a a Rams fan, a Rams uh, reporter, a Rams team member point of view, the Rams should have been able to dominate this game. The injuries San Francisco has, the personnel the Rams have, but this game, despite, and, and we'll get into the game in a few seconds here, this game, despite how close it was at the halfway point, it never felt like it was out of control. It almost got there. It almost got there. Because the Niners at least had me scared. I was sitting around like, is this going to, like, are, are, are we, we going to win this game? <laughs> like, this game's getting kind of scary. And I think there are, there are plenty of times in that first half, and even in the second half, that I said, oh, like, I, I'm really just not sure that we're going to win this game. And... I think, and, and I have a few points here, because the Rams' first drive of the game, we stuffed them, they punted, it felt like, okay, we got this game in the bag already, it feels like it's going to be the same old sorry-ass Rams, so sorry, this is our game, easy peasy, we're at Levi South, this is our house, like, 57%, 59% faithful at, at Levi South, at SoFi Stadium, this felt like, okay, we got this. Then our offense doesn't score, then the Rams go on a 17-play 98-yard, nine-minute drive. And you're just like, really? Like, what the heck, man? Or excuse me, 88-yard, nine-minute and 21-second drive, 17 plays. And you're just like, what the heck? And it, it was screen attacks left and right. Felt like there was like 20 of them in that second drive. Uh, But then the Niners, despite the Rams marching, they stopped them. Like, five times! <laughs> there were so many penalties. It felt like that we gave them every opportunity to just keep that drive going. Like, this drive should have stopped at 13 plays, 12 plays. But then, Avery Thomas gets called for holding in the end zone, and that resets the downs, they get a first down. Then, Ward has him on third down, and it's an incompletion down Robinson, but it gets called for P.I. and holding, and that's a first down again, and then it was like, okay, <laughs> like... Like, our defense is doing its job, it's just also <laughs> doing the Rams' job's offense for them. And so, then Stafford runs for the, the touchdown, and you're like, okay, like, uh, 
can we please stop shooting ourselves in the foot? And in that same drive, the second drive of the game, Mooney Ward gets hurt, hurts his shoulder, and you're like, okay, like, we lost our first corner, or, or you know, Mosley against Carolina. Now we're going to lose Mooney Ward, who you're just like, dude, like, how many more injuries are we going to have? And thankfully, despite me thinking, well, here we go again, you know, the offense can't score, the defense can't stop them, penalties are an issue again, it felt like that that was going to be, you know, the, the issues were going to carry over from the Falcons game and the Chiefs game right into the game against the Rams. And thankfully, things got cleared up, but it wasn't like it was just that one drive where we all said, okay, you know, you know, things are going to go this way. It's going to be a long game for San Francisco. But Jimmy had two balls batted down. One, two of them were almost picked off by Jalen Ramsey. And then he missed time McLeod on a deep route where he had him maybe for a big gain. And you're like, okay, what's Jimmy are we getting today? Then McCaffrey almost tumbled twice. <laughs> and one of them, McLeod thankfully caught. I and mean, that was a pivotal play in the second half. Just bounced right up to him. I mean, that could have been a disastrous end to that drive. And then he has one, I guess, near fumble in the red zone where Kittle jumps on it before halftime. And you're thinking, well, well, if he fumbled it, that's kind of good for us. It gets us closer. We can kick a field goal or at least, you know, get some points, maybe, maybe a touchdown. And then that's called back. So McCaffrey almost fumbles twice. To me, almost throws two picks. And the offense looks like it's going to be trading touchdowns for field goals. Like, it's 14-10. to 10. We've had an opportunity to make this thing 14-14. And it just feels like this offense is going to be what it was the last two weeks. And the defense looked kind of the same way. It looked like they weren't going to be able to stop these screen passes. And it didn't matter who was going to be in the nickel, whether it was Jimmy Ward or Lenore, that Cooper Cup was going to get his, and he caught a touchdown. It felt like that maybe, just maybe, that this was going to be a game where San Francisco uh, had maybe been caught off guard, where they're tired, they're hurt, and they're just not playing good football. Then... The second half starts, right? And this is when it felt like the entire... I don't want to say the entire game switched. It didn't flip on its head, right? But it felt like there was a spark lit. And I talked about how in the... uh, to, To preview this game, I talked about how I felt like the offense... It was trending in the right direction. But they needed that pick me up whether it was a Kittle touchdown or McCaffrey, you're not going to have Debo, right? No Debo. Who's going to step up? Who's going to ignite that fire in the offense? And and in that second, or the, excuse me, the, the first drive of the second half, we're thinking, okay, look, it's 14-10. Go down there. Go get the lead. Put some points on the board. You can put the Rams, put their back to the wall and retake the lead for the first time in this game, right? Then it's... Jimmy almost throws a pick to Ramsey, and then McGlinchey gives up a sack, and you're just like, dude, like, this team just does not have it. Like, every single play, something's going wrong. Whether it's the play calling, the quarterback, the offensive line, the receivers dropping passes, it just felt like that everything that's been going on this year was going to continue on Sunday against the Rams, and maybe to a lesser extent, but to an extent, uh, it felt like that was still happening, where there was just never this come-together moment for San Francisco, and then, 
boom. You thought it was McCaffrey's first touchdown, the passing one, which, I mean, my goodness, what a great play call. What great execution by McCaffrey and Ayuk on the play. But then, boom, it wasn't that touchdown. It was the second touchdown of McCaffrey's. As soon as... As soon as Jimmy Garoppolo, on a broken play, and I want to give credit to Christian McCaffrey here because McCaffrey and Jimmy both talked about how this play was not designed this way. This this was a, a play where McCaffrey was kind of the decoy. He, he was not part of uh, Jimmy's five reads he had. And McCaffrey, again, how smart he is, Jimmy called him a quarterback, essentially, he saw it, and he goes, well, I need to be part of this play. I need to find some space. And Jimmy kind of locked onto him, saw him streaking towards the right sideline, and said, well, you're open, and put a beautiful ball over the defender. McCaffrey, an amazing catch towards the sideline, and it was like, bang, boom, click. That fire got ignited. And it was like, here we freaking go. And if you're a big Halloween fan, the franchise, it's like in Halloween 2018 where they light that fire in the basement and you're like, they got him. Like, they're going to get Michael Myers. And it was like, they got the Rams here. It felt like that was what was going to happen. And that's exactly what did happen. That that spark was finally lit under the Niners offense's rear. Their their AWS, you could say. And Jimmy hits that touchdown. McCaffrey's great catch. They're up 17 to 14. And then... It was, again, just like something clicked of like, oh yeah, we own the Rams. How did we forget that, right? The defense starts playing lockdown. Uh, Warner was amazing in this game. He had the most pressures. He had a sack. He was great in coverage. Nick Bosa had a sack. He has eight sacks so far this year. Like, the defense, the defense stepped it up another level. And the, and. That touchdown wasn't the breaking point in this game, but it was the moment you can say where things started to shift. San Francisco found their mojo, their momentum back under the offense, and the defense said, oh yeah, the Rams? Okay, we are their dad. We we own them, right? But then the next drive, it was, okay, can the defense stop them? Boom, stuffs them. Then it was, okay, this is a big drive for the offense. Boom, more points. It was, okay, like, I think San Francisco has this taken care of, right? And, again, sticking with the defense here, the defense, in that second half, the defense allowed zero points and 50 total yards to the Rams' offense over the final 35 minutes and 25 seconds of the game. Again, 35 minutes and 25 seconds. That's from five minutes left in the second quarter on to when the clock hit zero, final score. Again, the defense was phenomenal in this game. Struggled early, but turned things up late. The Rams offense were also, or has been held under 300 total yards just five times in 27 games since 2021. Four of those games have come against the Niners. (laughs) Again, to further the point that we own the Rams. San Francisco owns Los Angeles. The Rams are an entirely different team. 
when playing the Niners. I believe the 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 point averages were against other teams. The Rams are averaging 26 points. Against the Niners, 15. And I talked about coming into this week that the Rams offense doesn't scare me. It's one-dimensional, it's Cooper Cup, and that's it. They have no running game. Uh, th- there was nothing that they do that scares me. Now, Cooper Cup, one of the best, if not the best receiver in football, he's a reigning offensive player of the year for a reason. There's reasons to be worried about what he can do. And he, he did hurt San Francisco. But the Rams, because they have limited their offense so much, not having Akers, having no running game, that's why they want Kareem Hunt and Aheem Himes and Josh Jacobs. That's why they're in the market for somebody else, right? Odell Beckham's name came up uh, again. Like, they need they need that spark like Christian McCaffrey gave to San Francisco. And so, because of that, I talked about how they scored 9 points against us, then 10 points against the Cowboys, and 24 against the Panthers, but we put up 37 points. Like, it's not like the Rams are playing good football. Now, the Niners weren't either coming into this game, but the Rams were playing a little worse football. And there was no turnovers in this game. There definitely could have been a few times. I already talked about many of them. But this game, to me, and it's ironic or it's funny that the Niners always seem to use the Rams as their get-right game. And me and you talked about how this game isn't just big because, oh, you're 4-4, you're 500, four four, you're, you're going to the bye week. While all that's very important, you win, or the easiest way to go to the playoffs is winning your division. And winning on Sunday, which the Niners did, they are now 3-0 in their division. And they have Seattle again and the Cardinals twice. Now, we, we know Kyler Murray gives this team fits. It's the mobile quarterback thing. But even if they lose two of those games to the Cardinals, let's say they lose both those games, right? Well, then they can still be 4-2 in the division. Like, that is that is putting yourself a notch above the rest. Now, I know they're still in second place, but you're in second place with a chance to get healthy, and you're 3-1 in the division with three games left, and one of them against an opponent you just beat in week two, and you kick their freaking you know, you-know-what off, right? So, San Francisco, despite being 4-4, despite being 500, despite underachieving in many games this year, has put themselves in opportunity to make that second half run. You no longer are 3-5. You are 4-4. You, you, you can now clinch the division in week 17 instead of 18. <laughs> right? But I want to dive in a little deeper here because he's the talk of the town. He's a... I guess you can call him a triple count, triple crown McCaffrey, excuse me, because Christian McCaffrey, my goodness, I talked about when they first traded for him that they were getting one of the most dynamic players, not just running backs, not receiver, one of the most dynamic players in the NFL, and I mean, he showed that far and beyond on Sunday. 18 carries, 94 yards, uh, one touchdown with eight receptions, 55 yards, another touchdown, 
Then his touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk. Like, Christian McCaffrey, I'm not going to say single-handedly beat the Rams, but he's as close as you can get without single-handedly beating the Rams, right? I mean, 34, uh, he had a 34-yard touchdown pass, a 9-yard touchdown reception, and a 1-yard touchdown run. He became the fourth player ever to register one touchdown pass, one rushing touchdown, and one receiving touchdown in the same game since 1974 and the first to do so since LaDainian Tomlinson, who did it in 2005. The, the, the group he's in, McCaffrey, Tomlinson, David Patton from the Patriots, and Walter Payton. Pretty darn good group to find yourself in. Two bona fide Hall of Famers and two of the best running backs of all time in the NFL with Peyton and Tomlinson. He also became the only player in Super in the Super Bowl era to register at least one touchdown pass, one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown, and 30-plus passing yards, 30-plus rushing yards, and 30-plus receiving yards in a single game. And I can read you stats and stats and that stats all day. All freaking day. That's how good he was. But there were so many instances where on third downs he was... He's so elusive, right? Uh, he He's like that spider in your house you just can't get. <laughs> and he's... It doesn't matter if you have, you have the, the, the cup, the glass, Tupperware. Put it over at the plate. It doesn't matter. That spider's somehow going to find a way out of it. <laughs> and that's kind of what it's like. And it's going to haunt you. We're like, where's the spider at? Oh my goodness. Like, I'm scared. I'm scared. Where's the spider at? That's what it was like for the Rams defense. It was like, where, where's where's Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> and that's what it was like on Sunday for the Rams. Like, they could not stop him at all. Now again, he almost had two fumbles. But forget all that stuff for a second. Like, he had three touchdown passes. This may have been, it's not a debut, but this, in my opinion, is one of the best offensive performance in recent history, if not of all time, for the Niners, right? My mind goes back to Jeff Olson Jr.'s four touchdowns against the Patriots in 2020, uh, Debo Samuel last year against the Rams, Week 18, touchdown pass, catches a touchdown, like, there are plenty in Niner history. Emmanuel Sanders in 2019, passing touchdown, excuse me, uh, and and receiving touchdown. Like, there, there are plenty of those in Niner history. But it's funny because we've seen this play, to my knowledge, three times under Kyle Shanahan, the the, the receiver, the, the running back touchdown pass. And Debo did it last year against the Rams, and Emmanuel Sanders did it against the Saints, and every single time... It's worked. Like, I don't know why, and, and I get it, it's a trick play. You don't want to use it too much, but of all the crap Shanahan got, I mean, he was in his back. I mean, Kyle Shanahan heard all the talk of he's not good in second halves, and he said, fine, I'll, I'll put up 21 points. Okay, is, is that good enough for you? I'll, I will put up 21 points in the second half and get the offense 31 points in this game. Like, it's like he heard the criticism and said, I am so tired of that. Let me dig into my bag of tricks and find something. Boom, McCaffrey touchdown pass. Uh, again, broken play, Jimmy's touchdown pass. And I don't want to get away from McCaffrey 
too much here. But can we talk for one second? Just, you know, just a little bit. We're going to have a this AA meeting, the the Alcoholics Anonymous. We're, we're, we're going to call it the, the, the JA meetings, the Jimmy Anonymous, right? Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty freaking good on Sunday. I could argue that maybe despite that Saints game in 2019, and maybe the Cardinals game on Halloween night, ironically, this may have been the most efficient and effective Jimmy Garoppolo we've seen in a long time. And I talked about, and I was pounding the freaking table, that he is not the reason they lost against the Chiefs. Made some mistakes, I get that. Pick at the red zone, can't happen, shouldn't happen, can't do that. Against the Falcons, he played good in that game and against the Panthers, he was also really good. Since week four, up until week eight, Jimmy Garoppolo has been, in my opinion, maybe not gold, but he's been silver. And I think most NFL teams would really appreciate having a silver quarterback, if that makes sense, right? It may not be a quarter, but you got a nickel. Or you got a dime, makes more sense, actually, a dime's worth more, (laughs) maybe a dime. But Jimmy Garoppolo, 84% completion percentage, 235 yards, two touchdowns, and a 132.5 passer rating. How can you not leave this game? And in my opinion, how can you not leave the last four weeks saying, we are getting good Jimmy Garoppolo. This is his stretch. We cannot waste it. I talked about it in the Falcons game. We're getting good Jimmy. We are wasting good Jimmy Garoppolo performances. Now, he ain't the whole team. He ain't ain't the best quarterback. We get that. But 84% comp percentage, the fifth highest in a single game in franchise history. And the highest since Steve Young had an 85.7 comp percentage in 1997. Seven, now I know there hasn't been too many too many quarterbacks in Niner history to talk about, right, since then. You know, Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick, Tim Rattay, Ken Dorsey, Cody Pickett, Jeff Garcia. Like, there's not been many big ones out there, many amazing ones out there. But for all the crap Jimmy gets, I mean, Jimmy has, in my opinion, firmly planted himself as a top five Niner quarterback of all time. And in my opinion, maybe number four? Sometimes number three? Like there's there's Montana, there's Young, Brody's in the, in, in the conversation because he played so freaking long. And there's YA Tittle back in the old days before Montana, before Young. And there's Smith and there's Cap. But I think Jimmy has had a better Niner career and performed better. He's not, you know, Cap at his elite level was amazing to watch. But Jimmy, I just think he's been more consistent. He's been here since 2017. I know there's been injuries and ups and downs, but since 2019, 2021, and knock on wood thus far in 2022, Jimmy Garoppolo has been really, really good in San Francisco. And I don't want that to just be overlooked. And again, I'm not trying to have this be a slurp fest by all means, but we are in Jimmy Anonymous, right? Like this, this is the JA meeting, correct? Or the probably should be called the Garoppolo Anonymous, but by all means. But Jimmy was really good, efficient, effective. It felt like 
that there are some times with Garoppolo that you feel nervous every single time that ball comes out of his hand. And there were times in the first half where you felt that. You know, there were some throws where you're like, oh god, maybe run the ball, <laughs> please. But in that second half, we got, you know, porn star Jimmy, Jimmy GQ. There was poise in the pocket. He was taking hits. He was not afraid to take a shot. He was not afraid to sling that football. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo finally hit a freaking deep ball. Like, can we give it up? I mean, come on. R- Ross Dwelly, not Charlie Warner, <laughs> catches the deep ball out of all people. And Ross Dwelly was the fill-in fullback because Kyle Juszczyk didn't play. And Jimmy, on the freaking money, essentially puts that game away, right? Like, it was a pivotal point in the game where the Rams were still in this game. And what does Jimmy do? Boom, kill shot. That big play, they were up 24-14. to There was about, I don't know... 10 minutes left in this game, maybe 9 minutes left in the game. Plenty of time for 10 points via the Rams. And knowing how this team has fumbled and thrown picks and been negligent with the football, it was like, okay, we have to have that kill shot. Now, Kittle's eventual touchdown was, of course, the icing on the cake. But that big, huge, uh, Jimmy's big play, the 30-plus yard reception by Dwelly, I mean, that was the kill shot. 56 yards to Dwelly to Los Angeles's 14-yard line. Boom. It puts the Rams on the back wall. Your foot's on their throat. What have I talked about? The Niners have have put themselves in so many positions, positions, excuse me, to to stomp on an opponent's neck. And they tend to let up. This was them going for it, knowing they have the Rams on the ropes, knowing they need this win, knowing that if they give the Rams any signs of hope, the defense that has struggled the last two weeks, the offense needed to step up. This was their chance to say, no, no, we don't need the defense to save us this time. The offense is going to put this game on lock and key, and we're going to secure this W. What do they do? Again, 56 yards to Dwelly, and you at least set yourself up for a field goal to make it 27-14. to Of course, Kiddo scores that touchdown in the back of the end zone. That's the freaking kill shot, a.k.a. date night, Steve Carell, Tina Fey. They went for the kill shot, and they got it. And so, I just think, when you have all the talk of you know Steve Young saying that Shanahan and Garoppolo don't trust each other and and there have been times I've said that where it feels like the offense is being timid but I also said the past couple weeks the offense hasn't played poorly they just need that come out game we thought it was the Panthers I think it was this game where San Francisco can finally feel itself can feel you know the can feel the the um, the energy the the aura of like, oh yeah, we have forgotten who we were. We we were lost in the woods, in the weeds, in the wickets, uh, and we couldn't find ourselves. But we we realized that home, who we are, is right in front of us. And it's run first with McCaffrey, 
Ayuk was phenomenal in this game. Big touchdown pass from McCaffrey to Ayuk in this game, but he was great in this game. Kittle was good in this game. The offensive line was good in this game. Aaron Banks has been phenomenal all year. Trent Williams was back to being Trent Williams in this game. Spencer Burford's only sack allowed was kind of a snap count issue, so Burford's been great in this game. Brunskill and his time was great. Brendel, to me, was spotless in this game. I think he was good. McGlinchey had his issues, but you still won. you got to clean things up, but he knows that. He knows that. And this is the perfect way to go into the bye week. You're now 4-4. Four and four. Again, 3-0 in the division. And you've set yourself up to go on this second half run. You, you are going to get Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, hopefully Kyle Juszczyk, Juwan Jennings, Maybe Javon Kinlaw eventually back. Jason Verrett back. Jimmy Warden might be even healthier off the broken hand. Drake Greenlaw. Eventually Aziz Alshire back. Eric Armstead back. Again, you can't bank on guys being healthy. You can't bank on guys not getting hurt. But knowing they have a week to get back, at least Debo, Jennings, Mitchell, and Greenlaw? I mean... And, and, and Armstead might be closer to yes than no. Like, that's good stuff. Knowing you're playing the Chargers and the Cardinals. Like, this is a chance for you to now run rough shot through the entire second half of your schedule. Because, look, this game on Sunday against the Rams, it felt as if... And I've already said it in this podcast. It, it felt as if San Francisco got rejuvenated. And it's just the perfect time for that. Like, of all the talk of who's playing nickel, Jimmy Ward's upset, all these guys are hurt, who is Jimmy G, Christian McCaffrey again. I was like, Christian McCaffrey is God. He's, he's playing so well in this game. Like... This felt like the culmination of all the frustration, the pent-up anger of why are we not winning football games? And to me, that final drive by the offense signified a changing of mentality. Of no longer are we playing from behind. No longer are we you know, trying to play catch-up. Now we are the ones in control. And when you're in control... There's a lot of power involved in that. And everybody feeds off of that. The offense, the defense, the coaching staff, when they know they can essentially get whatever they want, whenever they want, it gives you confidence, it gives you an ego, it makes, it gives you a mentality of, I am unstoppable. And again, it's up to the Niners to carry it over, right? It's up to... Jimmy and Kyle and Demeco Ryans and the rest of the offense and Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and the rest of the defense. This can't just be a one-off thing. But it almost feels like that this game in itself almost told the entire story of the Niners this season. Where it's a slow and sluggish first half where the defense is playing well enough to keep them in the game and the offense isn't picking up their end. There's some near turnovers where luck, again, that changing of momentum, that that changing of mentality, luck, you know, swings towards San Francisco's favor and and not having McCaffrey's fumbles go to the Rams and not having Jimmy G's 
almost picks via interceptions. And now the Niners are putting up 31 points. Like 23 against the Chiefs, 31 against the Rams, 37 against the Panthers. Like, there is a building here. There is... They they are still on the incline. They haven't reached the climax yet. And if there is any better time for a bye week, it's week eight. Like in 2019, if I can remember correctly, the bye week was like week five, week three. It was really weird where it was like, well, no one's hurt. <laughs> it's it's the beginning of the season and we're on a bye week now. Like this is this is weird. Like why is why is it so early? But this is the perfect time where they can get veteran guys back. They can, you know, rest up for that second half run. Again, the Chargers, Cardinals, and you got the Buccaneers at home. Like, this is an opportunity for... And it's tough because, like, look at every win thus far for San Francisco. Bears game, loss. Seahawks, big win. Broncos, upsetting loss. Boom. Rams win. Panthers win feeling pretty good, but then you lose Mosley, and you lost Trey Lance in week two, and it feels like that, oh, okay, like, there's been, like, we are two and two, but we've lost two players for a full season. Then it's the Falcons loss, because the defense isn't good, and the guys are dropping passes and whatever. Then the Chiefs come in and just smack you right in the face. Guys try to come back to make a statement against the Chiefs, and it just doesn't happen. This is the first game all year where someone hasn't gotten hurt. Like, Mooney Ward, who was like a, is he okay? Like, is he going to be out for a long time in that second drive by the Rams? He was fine. Like, Kyle Shanahan said in the postgame press conference, guys, I, I this, this is a little weird, but there's no injuries <laughs> for the first time all year. Like, if, like in, in a five-week span, like, think about it. Week one, Mitchell gets hurt. Done for the, you know, done for 10 to 8 weeks, right? Week two, Trey Lance. Week three, Trent Williams. Week four, probably no one got hurt, right? I feel like that was one of the only clean games, but you can have McKivitz in there, who was your your backup left tackle. He gets hurt, I guess you can put in there, right? And then, yeah, week five against the Panthers, Mosley. Week six against the Falcons, Drake Greenland got banged up. Like, there was, Hufanga had the concussion, right? McGlinchey got hurt. Then week seven against the Chiefs, people are back, but everyone's banged up and hurt and aren't playing well. Then you have this game, where it just feels like, for the first time all season, we are leaving a victory, feeling good about the win, having performed well, and again, for the first time, saying, we got unscathed. Even in one of our wins all year, we, we have been banged up and hurt. And this week, we're, we're actually okay. Maybe you got a little dust on the shoulder, but like we're, we're okay. And you're only going to get healthier. And, like, it's kind of astonishing, right? To feel feel that way. <laughs> like, I was surprised. I was like, wow. Okay, like, we, we actually, like, like we, we can breathe for a week. Knowing nobody else is going to get hurt. Knowing we're at 500, that's not going to change. And giving Kyle Shanahan in this offense... And Demeco Ryan's and that defense that may have rekindled the magic, giving them a week to get healthy and the bye week to prepare for the Chargers, who gave up 37 points or 35 points, whatever it was, 
to the Seahawks. I mean, there was a time in this Charger or this Rams game, excuse me, where I I saw Jeff Wilson was playing fullback. Christian McCaffrey was throwing touchdown passes. Like, and Debo wasn't even playing. <laughs> like, again, Kyle Shanahan was in his bag. It was great play calling. It felt like, and it's easy to say that when everything is going right, right? Like, you feel like, okay, like, you're winning. You put up 31 points. Everything goes right. But this was one of the few games I can remember where even broken plays were going correctly. Like, again, McCaffrey's touchdown reception was a broken play, and it went correctly. That doesn't happen much in San Francisco. It feels like Jimmy's forcing passes, or there's, you know, guys are getting stuffed at the line, and block was missed, whatever. Like, it's very rare that happens. And it just felt like that they were feeding off each other. Shanahan, Jimmy, the offense. And it felt like that that momentum they're going to carry over could be, like, this is the biggest win of the season by far. By freaking far. Not even close. This is the biggest win of the season. Because football, and I've said it plenty of times the past few weeks, it's what have you done for me lately? And for the defense, I can say, well, you, you played, again, freaking 50 yards in the past 35 minutes and no score. Like, San Francisco scored 24 unanswered points in this game. With Matthew Stafford, like, keep in mind, I know that we owned them, the Rams, but they are the defending and reigning Super Bowl champions. <laughs> they did they did not put up they didn't put up 51 yards in the second half. They put up 88 yards in one drive. Not even 51 in the second half. Like guys like Oren Burks stepped up big time. Again, Brandon Ayuk was great in this game. It's the first time in his entire career Brandon Ayuk has six plus receptions and 80 plus yards and three consecutive games. In his past three games, three touchdowns. Like, two against the Falcons, one against the Rams. Kittle, the past three weeks, touchdown, 80 yards against the the, the Falcons, 80 yards against Chiefs, and he had like 39, but he had touchdown. Like, the stars are starting to align for San Francisco. And now I didn't McCaffrey. Now I didn't Debo. Now I didn't use check. Like it is like if this team cannot at least and look, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I I, I don't want to start saying, and we're going to the Super Bowl. But the McCaffrey move was an all-in move. What and how they played on Sunday against the Rams was a team playing desperate. And I want to be clear here because, yes, desperate this season to not be 3-5. and five. But don't tell me <laughs> that just like last year, being so close to immortality, that this team does not feel the pressure of we have to win a Super Bowl. There was players on this team reportedly saying Jimmy G 
gave them a better chance to win than Trey Lance. Now we know Lance gets hurt, but there were players, even after that win, that, I'm not going to say happy Lance got hurt, because it's not the case. They don't want anybody to get hurt. But there was this kind of like, okay, like, now Jimmy's our quarterback. We're going to be better. Not just fine, but better. And again, Trey Lance, get healthy. I cannot wait to see you play. I I am so excited to watch you play. But just focus on this year. These guys feel the pressure. Trent Williams ain't getting younger. Jimmy, one-year contract. Jimmy Ward, last year of his contract. Emile Mosley, this is the last year of his deal. Nick Bosa wants to get paid. McGlinchey, last year, like, there are so many players on this team knowing that this could be their best, and for some of them, their last opportunity to get a championship. Like, the urgency isn't just, oh, it's this year. No, no, no. It is a carried over urgency since 2019. 2019, they surprised people. They probably surprised themselves, right? There was belief, but they were like, oh, we're 13 and freaking three, man. <laughs> and we killed the Packers and we killed the Vikings. No, they got, you know, freaking blue lead in the, in the last game of the season to the Chiefs. But since then, there's been this urgency. Every single person is not just playing for the team. They're playing for themselves. And I think while last year they were playing for the team, maybe for Jimmy Garoppolo, knowing it was supposed to be his last year, but I think that this year there are so many individuals that have individual and personal goals, and all of them now for the first time since being here, align with the team goals. There's a sense of desperation from every single player. Every single one. Hufunga, Jimmy Ward, Mosley, who's now hurt, but Amory Thomas, Mooney Ward, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Al Shire, Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, like every single player on defense, every single player on offense. It's not just urgency this game against the Rams. It's urgency that if we do not win this year, we may never. Because you have Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Three of those four guys could arguably be said to be the best at their position. And you have an okay offensive line with the best left tackle. You have the best linebacking core with arguably the best linebacker in football. You have a cornerback playing the best of his career. And you're getting healthier? Like, this win against the Rams, to me, it just maybe reiterated or proved to me that this team is willing to go and actually, and finally, put the kill shot in. That they can actually step on a team's neck. And they hadn't done that all year. Like, I, there was a certain point this year. I said it on Sunday on 95-7 the game. I'm not sure if this team has the dog in it. And on Sunday against the Rams, they proved to me either they had it in them the entire time or they refound that dog in them. Because we hadn't seen it all year. And against the Rams on Sunday, there was that dog 
once again. That being said, we have the bye week coming up. Trade deadline when this podcast comes out November 1st. Who is going to get traded? Are the Niners done? I think they are. That being said, if any news breaks, any trades break regarding this Niners team, you are going to want to follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access. Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. Again, you are not going to want to miss a thing. Any updates, injuries, any trades? Who knows? I don't think so, but who knows? Again, you are going to want to follow us on social media. Also, if you want to go see the Niners play the Los Angeles Chargers, maybe you want to see them play the Cardinals in Mexico City in three weeks. Use that promo code 49ersaccess49. E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Again, at SeatGeek.com. Don't forget to leave a like, share, subscribe. Have a happy Halloween. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful. Stay faithful.